<laughs> graciously didn't uh, didn't completely plagiarize that on <laughs> You know the reason I know that? And uh, we heard testimony yesterday, and I hope you find yourself in more and more churches. I truly do. Um, that's, that's the follow-through, right? So... Yeah. So I'm going to testify for a minute, and if that makes you uncomfortable, good, right? Mm-hmm. Brother Tyler talked about putting the Lord in the box. And how do we do that? Inside these four walls, mm-hmm. right? This place is special. Yeah. It is. If you don't believe that, ask any of the pastors that are represented here and the assemblies that we're from. It's not the same. And yeah. think about what caused that, right? And we talk about and we sit around the table and have a cup of coffee and look at the scripture. We're like, man, the church is dwindling. Well, what are we doing about it? Amen. And you look at here, and I've heard it from several people. They're like, you know, guiding light is special, and I, I, it is. Well, maybe that's because there's been some evangelizing going on through the years. You know, you may not recognize that, but you look around the room, right? So and so came in through so and so. So and so came in through so and so. And you look at the churches that are smaller, and that ain't happening. Mm-hmm. Why? It makes us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's too uncomfortable. I'm not going to do that. You know, and we, I'm talking about for myself in the past. And we try to talk to people, and maybe we're going after the wrong folks. I think I was sharing with Forge and some others last night that it seems to be a little easier in California because out here it's like everybody's got it figured out already. And we go after the people we know, and they have some form of religion, but they're not looking for it, and then we give up because they don't want to come, right? Maybe we're going after the wrong people. Something to think about. Where was I going to start? Oh, back in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, we kind of started the thought on Wednesday night about there's something to do. That's where I was going with it. You know, the Lord, several of us pastors were talking about this topic throughout the week uh, together, you know, just about. Yeah, we sit around and talk about it. Or are we going to sit around until the Lord comes back? And the Lord's going to be like, well, y'all sure talked about that a lot, but you yeah. didn't do anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> you still sat in your, in your four walls and you didn't go talk to anybody, you know? I'm not saying door knocking is the answer. We, we tried that back there uh, with no results so far, but I know Bakersfield has had some success, success with it. And uh, we're going to try again. You know, we're not giving up. Mm. But people that we come in contact with that are in our circles, in our networks, friends that we, we've come across. You know, do we... I find with myself sometimes that's kind of the last thing, at least in the past, not recently, but in the past, it was like the last thing that would come up, right? When somebody would be talking about their issues or their problems, and I'm trying to give them sound advice, right? Based on whatever it is, whether it be finances or whatever, but the first thing needs to be, you need the Lord. And then beyond that, uh, discipleship. I was just thinking, put some thoughts together. And, you know, how many how many hours are in a week? Right? 168. Right? If you count all 24, you count the 12 usable hours. There's 84. We come in, not counting the men's studies here, right? For our services, when the majority of people are here, six hours a week. Right? Six hours a week. Depending on which one you use, if it's 84 or 168, you're looking at 93 or 98% of our time is not here. Right? If you look at the old law, 
What did they do with the sacrifices? They went out in the fields, they worked, they raised them up, and they brought them to sacrifice. Somehow along the way, we, we got it backwards where we think this is the majority of, of our service, of our sacrifice, when it's in fact supposed to be the opposite, that that's our sacrifice, and we bring it here to share it Amen. with everybody. We've yeah. forgotten that. And through time, people go on about their way. You hear from time to time from church members, God's people, why well, work 60 hours a week or 80 hours a week? For what? Well, i got to survive. No. Is it because you want a bigger house or a nicer car or a giant camper to go on vacation? Is that why you're working 68 hours? What do you need? I've been there. I've done that. I had toys. You guys have all known me, even when we weren't here. I've done that. Quickly found out that's not what the Lord wanted me to be doing. <laughs> Took me away from it. Focusing on those things. We're going to get in the scripture. I apologize. I'm on a soapbox. Anyway, <laughs> the Lord kept me awake with this last night. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 3, this is right in between where we started Wednesday, and then I think it was Brother Stan, maybe, brought out the last part of this, or maybe it was Brother Rob, I don't remember. Verse 3, talking about work to be done. He says, We try not to put obstacles in anyone's path so that no one can find fault with the work we do. On the contrary, we try to commend ourselves in every way as workers for God by continually enduring troubles, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, overwork, lack of sleep and food. We commend ourselves by our purity, knowledge, patience, and kindness. By the Holy Spirit, by genuineness of love and truthfulness of speech. By God's power, we commend ourselves through our use of righteous weapons, whether for pressing our cause or defending it, through being honored and dishonored, praised and blamed, considered deceptive, or, yeah, deceptive and sincere, unknown and famous, and we commend ourselves as God's workers, headed for death, yet look, we're alive, as punished, yet not killed, as having reason to be sad, yet always filled with joy, as as poor yet making people rich, as having nothing yet having everything. And so how do we commend ourselves? How do we show our work to be true, right? By doing these things, by loving the way we're supposed to love and showing that to other people. Amen. Right? And you, you talk about people that mention working 68 hour, 80 hours a week, but they can't bother to be in services. I'm not going to say at church because that's the wrong way to say that. But at services... One hour on Wednesday evening, five hours on Sunday. But they'll move heaven and earth to be everywhere else they got to be. And what does that say? The rest of the week ain't about the Lord either. Or it can be the opposite too. We can be here every time and warm the church pew, and we're not right with the Lord either. I'm not saying being here is, is everything. But it does say a lot if you can't even do the bare minimum. Right? It says a lot. In Luke chapter 6. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're if you're in a job that takes you away, I am. It's taken me away before. And that's the only job that you're able to get. That's the difference than putting yourself in a job or making it to where you're not going to be here. Yeah. Different, just different altogether. 
misunderstand what I'm, what I'm saying. And I'm not saying having nice things is, is wrong either. There's a lot of people that have them. And guess what? They do everything they can to be in services and to support the church and support the brethren and love the brethren. We have many examples of that. Many. In this assembly alone, there's many that do that. Yes, yes, no. I've seen it. I've seen the example. But there's some that don't. There's some that use it to take themselves away. <coughs> Luke chapter 6, verse 43. He says, For no good tree produces bad fruit, nor does a bad tree produce good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. Figs aren't picked from thorn bushes, nor grapes from a briar patch. The good person produces good things from the store of good in his heart, while the evil person produces evil things from the store of evil in his heart. For his mouth speaks what overflows from his heart. We heard the other night about motive, right? What's, what's your motive? Are you parading your acts in front of men? Or is it for the Lord? And it's for your brethren because you love the Lord, right? And only you know, people do see through things but only you know, and the Lord knows in your heart, right? He knows. And you know. Over in First John, Chapter 3. We've been talking a lot at Bethel about you know, talk is cheap. It yeah. is. You know, and even outside the Lord's work, in the workplace, or just in general, in life, with even dealing with family. One of my biggest pet peeves is not following through with something you say you're going to do. You make a commitment to be somewhere and be there at a certain place or do a certain thing and you don't do it. That's one of my biggest... <laughs> I just can't... I can't get with it. I can't. And it's happened, you know, all throughout. It's happened in the church. It's happened in the workplace. It's happened just in general in life. And it's a hard one to swallow. Follow through. Talk is cheap. You know, playing sports growing up in football, our coaches would always say, don't talk about it, be about it, right? <laughs> what does that mean? Don't go through the motions. If you show up for practice and you just go through the motions, guess what's going to happen in the game? Get your rear ends kicked. <laughs> and then it's going to be your fault because you talked about it. Yeah, we're going to go out there, we're going to win, we're going to do this. Show up. Just going through the motions. That's what this scripture says in 1 John 3.18. It says, Children, let us love not with words and talk, but with actions and in reality. And tonight we heard a message about excuses, right? I shared this with the church back in, in Bethel, right? It's, and I, I made the point of, you're not lying to me. You're not making excuses to me. You're doing it to the Lord. It's, it's to Him. We don't, we don't realize that, right? And you think about Ananias and Sapphira. What was the, well, one big issue, and we talked about this, was church authority, basically, right? It wasn't that it was the property that he sold and kept for himself. It was that they had decided as a church, this is what we're going to do, right? And that ties into services, okay? We can have them on Saturday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But the church has decided we're having it at 945 on Sunday morning, and we're having it at 6 o'clock on Wednesday. 
That's what we decided. And that was the issue. If you go back and look at that, we were discussing this the other night with Ananias and Sapphira. It wasn't about the selling of property. It was that we they decided we're going to sell our property for the collective benefit of the body. And they got greedy and selfish and kept it for themselves. And then they lied about it. Yeah. And he said, he told them, you didn't lie to man. You lied to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And you lied to God. Amen. And he got them killed. Right? Same with you know, maybe we're having issues because we don't believe it. And we keep it in here. Right? And we don't we don't understand the power of the Lord can heal you. Right? Most importantly, spiritually. And every one of those healings, it was what did he tell them to do? Go follow me. We don't believe what did he tell the disciples, right? That hasn't changed. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. We forgot that. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes us uncomfortable. We're, we're unwilling, as Brother Tyler's pointed out, we let the religious world do the, the work for us, right? And they bring a lot of people in, some ways in the wrong way, and they're teaching them wrong, but they're, they're doing a good job of it. But we just expect people to show up. They're not going to do that. They're not going to come to us. They didn't go to Jesus. He went to them. Amen. He ate with sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes. He didn't join in with them, but he went and showed them there's there's a better way. There's life to this. There's a way out of this. I think a lot of times I know with myself, like I said, I've been barking up the wrong tree, as they say, and then you get discouraged and you and you just quit doing it. And I think over time that's what's happened is we get discouraged because you talk to people and they've already got it all figured out. You know, they, they've already talked to God and they, they got their own thing going and they don't want to hear it. They're not looking for it, right? It's, I forget which version of the parable, but it, in my version, I think it was the one in Mark, he said they weren't interested. They went to them, but they weren't interested. What did they do? They went to everybody else. The ones that were at rock bottom who needed the Lord. They had nowhere else to turn. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Talking about the majority of our sacrifice is takes place outside these four walls. It takes place outside the six hours that we spend in during the week. Amen. Or at least it should. And then we, what we're supposed to do is come in and share with each other what took place during the week that was for the Lord. Yeah, this is what happened. I talked to so-and-so, and this is what happened. This is what, this is what they said. This, they might come. That's what we're supposed to But we've forgotten that. I'm not discounting our services. That's important, too, because we need, we need the uplifting, right? As we've shared back home, but until our house is in order, we can't expect other people to come in, right? Who? <laughs> I'm trying to use this analogy, but if you think about it, I try to put things in relatable terms. And we talked about work on the ambulance, right? And you walk into some houses and you're like, wow. You know, and you think about going in to have a meal at a house, right? Are you, are you not kind of kind of taken back when the house isn't clean and dirty? Well, it's the same way with the Lord's house. People come in and they see it and it's dirty. 
who would want to come in and, and eat with us? Right? Metaphorically, you know, spiritually speaking. The house has, has got to be in order before we can expect anyone to want to be a part. In James chapter 1, I'm going to try to speed this up. James chapter 1, verse 27. How, how do we do that, right? How do, how do others see Jesus in us? Brother Jeff bringing out the other evening. Wonderful message. Do others see Jesus in us? And I've talked about this before too. I know with myself in the past, a lot of it was probably me. Well, not probably, was me. That they didn't see Jesus in me. So then you go and try to talk and they're like, kind of like rusty, right? <laughs> you know, it's, it's probably a lot of it. If we do some inner searching, it's probably us. We're probably the problem. We're probably, as he talks about, don't quench God's spirit. Are we quenching his spirit by the way we act? Thank the Lord for his mercy, and he slapped me in the head and told me to wake up, right? Before you lose everything. He did. Thank the Lord. But this is what he says in verse 27 the religious observance that God the Father considers pure and faultless is this. To care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being contaminated by the world. That's our sacrifice. The living sacrifice. That's what he was talking about in Romans chapter 12. You go on and read that. He talks about not being conformed to the ways of the present age. Be transformed, right, by the renewing of your mind. That is our sacrifice. And I appreciate Brother Jeff. I'm sure you guys heard him too. He kept saying, get to, get to. You know, instead of a have to. Not yeah. that nobody meant anything by that. But I appreciated that. Because it's a we get to. Yeah. Right? We get to. We're not going to turn there. We're familiar with it. But in Matthew 28, right? What did he tell them? The disciples, the same message to us. He say, stay in your building and hopefully they'll come to you. No. Wow. He said, you go to all nations and teach them. And appreciate that the other night. That doesn't mean go off and be a missionary. It just means whoever you're in your sphere of influence or you're uh, whoever you're around. I lost my train of thought. Uh, that's who you go to. But eventually, as I think Brother Jeff was pointing out to me, that at some point you kind of tend to know the same people over years. That network's kind of exhausting. You know, they respect you, but probably time to give up and, and move on and, and talk to somebody else. But a lot of times we we give up and then we don't do anything else. We don't go to somebody else. We just give up because it's uncomfortable. The Lord's service has to be different than just a normal way we live our lives as far as social networks, right? It's got to be different. It's got to be uncomfortable. We're going to go over to Hebrews chapter 13. I appreciated uh, Sister Gianna the other night came up to me and mentioned this scripture. and I, I appreciated it. 
And I'd studied this recently, and uh, I was blessed by that to hear that. And that's what he's talking about in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 10. And she was pointing out, as the scriptures say, right, that they brought the sacrifice, but then they burned it outside the camp after their carcass. And that's what he's talking about here. And she was pointing out, as it's going to go into here, that Jesus was crucified outside the city. They took him outside the city and, and killed him. And in verse 10 and 13, he says, We have an altar from which those who serve in the tent are not permitted to eat. For the high priest brings the blood of animals into the holiest place as a sin offering, but their bodies are burned outside the camp. So too Jesus suffered death outside the gate in order to make the people holy through his own blood. Therefore, let us go out to him who is outside the camp and share his disgrace. For we have no permanent city here. On the contrary, we seek the one to come. Therefore, or excuse me, through him, therefore, let us offer God a sacrifice of praise continually. For this is the natural product of lips that acknowledge his name. And don't forget doing good and sharing with others. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. What does that mean? We have to get outside our comfort zone. We have to suffer in his disgrace. We have to take Jesus to someone else. But sometimes we're unwilling to leave our safety net inside these four walls with, with the door shut, right? We are. We get complacent. We get uncomfortable. In Mark chapter 16. Kevin's going to be mad at me, and I'm not proselyting, I promise. But sometimes the Lord means for us to bust up and share the wealth. You know, and if, if the Lord's moving you, it doesn't have to just be preachers and pastors that go somewhere, right? Uh, I'm not going to name names, but someone was sharing with me recently that a family had moved to a different assembly, and they asked, you know, they said, we need to be thorough before we let them come back or come in. So let's figure this out and figure out what's going on. And through talking, I said, oh, no, there's no problem wrong. We just feel like the Lord's moving us here. They said, thank God there's nothing wrong. Because that's usually why people move, right? Amen. Amen. So if the Lord's moving you to go some, to another assembly to strengthen them, do it. Don't let your family or, or your pride or whatever it is or your comfort sway you from doing that. He's telling you to stay put, stay put. But if he's moving you to go, listen and go. Well, this assembly is very blessed with numbers. It is. It's a there's strength in numbers, but there's also disadvantages in numbers too. And it's discouraging sometimes with low numbers, but there's also blessings in that because it's a little more intimate and you're able to kind of keep a little bit more accountability on each other. Listen to the Lord. That's basically the answer. I certainly never thought I would move. I can tell you that. Amen. I'm glad I did. That was a tremendous blessing. In Mark chapter 16, verse 13. And the 
wrap this up. Just a couple more verses. So they went and told the others. This is after Jesus is risen. They've seen him. What do they do with it? They go and tell people. They went and told the others, but they didn't believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared at the eleven as they were eating. And he repro reproached them for their lack of trust and their spiritual insensitivity in not having believed those who had seen him after he had risen. Then he said to them, As you go throughout the world, proclaim the good news to all creation. Whoever trusts and is immersed will be saved. Whoever does not trust will be condemned. And we'll stop there. But we're not unlike they were, right? We have something to do with it. We're to take it. Now, does that mean go off by yourself and be a missionary? No, I don't think so. If the Lord's leading you to do that, you might want to probably talk to some brethren around the churches and take somebody with you. Because some people go by themselves and they didn't, didn't last. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not against that. I'm just saying you might want to have somebody with you. Um, but what he's... What I think he's saying here is, I believe he's saying, is whoever you're coming in contact with, right? Yeah. You don't have to go off to some foreign land or, or whatever. It's whoever you're around. They better be seeing Jesus. And they better be hearing about him, not just seeing it. Hearing it, too. And leading him to the Lord. You have the example of, of Philip, right? The Ethiopian eunuch. Right? He goes up. He's, you understand what you're reading. We, know, we have a lot of religious people. I'm not saying get in an argument or a fight in the workplace, <laughs> but what would it hurt? You know, do you understand what you're reading or, or listening to? That, that happened to me one time. I heard somebody listening to a, somebody preaching. Do you understand what they're, what they're trying to say? John chapter 1. second. Turn over to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're going to come back to John 1. Finish with that one. First Corinthians chapter 14. Right, you have to... We have to talk to people, right? We have to, in order to get them to come. Amen. And then when they come, hopefully it's has been mentioned before, you know, is how are we different? How are we different? Because we don't follow a script, right? We, all of our people know the scriptures. Our women, our children, hopefully our children, if we're teaching them, right, they know the scriptures. They just do. I'm blessed a lot of times, I'm bragging on my kids for a second, and it's not me, I promise you that. Hopefully it's just something they've heard. I'm not going to take the credit. Um, but they'll surprise me sometimes. You know, we'll be talking about things and they'll quote scriptures to me about scriptures that I'm like, wow, you know that one. We were talking with my daughter recently and trying to get her ready 
for you know preteen and teenager years, and about in the future of you know who she should look for in a husband, and you know and we were kind of going down the list. Of, you know he should be you should love the Lord, love your family, your family should love him, all that kind of thing, and we get down through there, and then she said, yeah, and he needs to love his brethren because if he doesn't love his brethren who he's seen, how can he love God who he hasn't seen? And I said. You do listen, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I'm amazed. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful blessing yeah. to hear that. Where's I going with that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, from our youngest to our oldest, we know the scripture. And we don't, we're not told what to, to preach. We don't follow a script. We all know the scriptures because we are diligent about it. We study it. We learn it we apply it and it is our life it's not a we go to church it, we are the church and it's our life and that's where we're getting to here in first corinthians chapter 14 verse 23 the context of what he's talking about is is speaking in tongues and he's basically saying that it's not important what's important is that you all prophesy and what is prophesying? It's not the prophecy where they think of like the Old Testament where God spoke directly to them and they tell the future. It's preaching the word. Amen. That's prophecy. Yeah. And that's the context of where we're at here. And so in verse 23 it says, So if the whole congregation comes together with everyone speaking in tongues and uninstructed people or unbelievers come in, won't they say you're crazy? But if you all prophesy and some unbeliever or uninstructed person enters, he is convicted of sin by all. He is brought under judgment by all. And the secrets of his heart are laid bare. So he falls on his face and worships God, saying, God is really here among you. What is our conclusion, brothers? Whenever you come together, yeah. let everyone be ready with a psalm or a teaching or a revelation or ready to use his gift of tongues or give an interpretation, but let everything be for edification. And we'll stop there. So you know, what's the importance of that? Well, it's important coming together. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that. Don't forsake it. That's important, but it doesn't stop in here. We have to take it out, right? Amen. We can come in here every week and tell each other the same thing every week, but if we don't take it out of here, what good is it? Right? It's good for us, but it's, it's not being shared. Back in John chapter 1, what did they do with it? What did the disciples do with it? They certainly didn't keep it in themselves. Um, as we're going to see, talking to people, getting people to come, it comes through relationships. You know, it, it doesn't come through complete strangers. For one thing, we don't accept anyone on their first visit, right, to join. They come for a while, and you know, we make sure that they're, they're getting what we're saying and they're understanding the importance, right? But it's through relationships. That's what we're going to find. They were either family or they worked together. And what do they do with it? Verse 35. And once again, these guys were looking for it. They didn't have it all figured out already. Matter of fact, most of them were pretty worldly and, and sinful. They were looking for something. They were looking for a change. A change in their minds and their hearts. 
and they found it. Verse 35, he says, The next day John was again standing with two of his disciples. On seeing Jesus walking by, he said, Look, God's lamb. His two disciples heard him speaking, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him, and he asked them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. So they went and saw where he was staying and remained with him the rest of the day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two had heard John and followed Jesus was Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. The first thing he did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, We found the anointed one. The first thing he did was tell his brother, We found him. He's here. <coughs> Not in the way that everybody else was looking for him, and establishing a physical kingdom to overthrow the Roman Empire. We found the anointed one, the Messiah. The one we've heard about. He took him to Jesus. Looking at him, Jesus said, You are Simon Bar-Jonah, or son of Jonah. You will be known as Peter. The name means rock. The next day, having decided to leave for Galilee, Jesus found Philip and said, Follow me. Philip was, I don't pronounce that town, uh, but it was where Andrew and Peter lived. Once again, they knew him. They knew each other. These weren't large cities. These were towns and villages. Right? They were fishing towns. If you've ever been up to the eastern side of the country, in the northeast, you see that today. You see these little fishing towns. That's how it was with them. They knew each other. Amen. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We found the one that Moses wrote about in the law, also the prophets. It's Jesus. Son of Joseph, Joseph from Nazareth. Daniel answered him, Nazareth, can anything good come from here or there? Come and see, Philip said to him. Jesus saw Daniel coming toward him and remarked about him. Here's a true son of Israel, nothing false in him. Daniel said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Daniel said, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, You believe all this just because I told you. I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Then he said to him, Yes, indeed, I tell you that you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and coming down on the Son of Man. So how does that happen today? Right? We don't have Jesus here among us. Or somebody sitting out under an oak tree and they come and it's like, I said, I saw you out there by that tree. No, it's it's here. Yeah. Right? We bring them in as we just read in 1 Corinthians. They hear the word and Jesus speaks to their heart and says, I saw you. I saw you where you were. And before whoever you came in through called you to come, I saw you. And it hits them. Right? And they repent and they're converted. We have the same thing today, but... How much do we put the Lord in the box? And, you know, well, those things are, yeah, they're they're pretty miraculous, and we read about it, but yeah. you know, it's all gone. Well, it's not. Yeah. He's here. He's powerful. And I lied to you. We're gonna read one more, <laughs> and we're done. Over in the book of Romans, I think you know where I'm going. Chapter ten, mm -hmm. Romans chapter ten.
let this soak in. Not, not just be another message. I'm talking about for me too. I'm preaching to myself, right? That's not just, well, here we are talking about it again, but we're not going to do anything with it. Let's have some action behind it, right? It said it's high time to rise from sleep, right? It's, I'm not going to presume to say that God's people are asleep at the will, but are we asleep at the will? I'll leave it as a rhetorical. You answer that for yourself. Are we asleep at the will? Yeah. Driving along, cruise control, hoping, hoping the Lord comes back one day, hoping our, somehow hoping our churches grow, but they're dwindling. But we're not going to do anything about it. We're just going to hope they come in and come to us. Are we going to do something? I'm not saying we have to go and do some profound event or anything. I'm just saying <coughs> we got to do something. Or we're just watching the switch shrivel up on the vine. Those are our two choices. That's the reality. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, he says, But how can they call on someone if they haven't trusted in him? And how can they trust in someone if they haven't heard about him? And how can they hear about someone if no one is proclaiming him? And how can people proclaim him unless God sends them? As the scripture puts it, how beautiful are the feet of those announcing good news about good things. <coughs> and we already know this isn't just about preachers and pastors. This is about anyone, Amen. right? We're all Amen. called. He was speaking to the collective group when he said, you go Amen. and you teach. How can they? not hearing it. And he's not being proclaimed. That's all I had. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the time we've spent with you guys. It's been a tremendous blessing. Hopefully we can uh, take the momentum back with us to Sacramento and keep going. I appreciate it. I'm turn back over to the camera. Definitely done that to me, and 